I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I am Jason Blar and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Um, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'm not interviewing any guests, although it's possible that uh, some of my partners may show up on this. Um, what we're going to do is a bit of a deal recap episode. So we recently closed um, our first, uh, at least Lark Capital's first um, multifamily syndication. So um, very cool, very excited about that accomplishment, but I thought it would be good for people who are new to the space, uh, have aspirations of, of syndicating, um, or people that just want to understand how the process works. I thought it might be cool to kind of go through um, some key dates and what happened along the way with this deal. So with that being said, here we go. Uh, really the backstory to this is I've been working in, so, well, let me back up. The, the deal is a 76 unit multifamily deal in Decatur, Decatur, Georgia, which is in the Atlanta MSA. Uh, the asset was built in 1972 and it consists uh, of, like I said, 76 units, which are entirely, uh, all one bedroom loft style. So it's actually a sort of a unique uh, layout for this for this market. Um, but in terms of how I came across the deal, which I think is generally the two things people are missing is, is uh, you know, finding or struggling with is finding deals and finding capital to fund those deals. So we started, this one started, gosh, nine months ago. Um, well, before that even. Uh, I have been looking in the Atlanta MSA for over a year, um, just looking to try and find, you know, a deal that worked, a deal that when I underwrote the numbers looked good, the returns were good, uh, felt comfortable sort of sending this deal out to the, to the, to our investors. And so it took a while to find that sort of thing. And the way this one came to me, although technically it was off market, I actually, or on market, I knew about it before it was on market because I had already built relationships with the property manager in the area. So I had been introduced to the property manager at least a year ago now. Um, and he and I had looked at a number of deals together. Uh, he had gone out and walked them, sent me pictures, things like that. And uh, none of the other ones had worked out. This deal, when it came to him, he had been speaking with the broker and um, he thought of me and told the broker that this might be a good one for me. Uh, which I will be forever grateful for. Uh, was a very big help uh, in terms of getting getting in front of the brokers and and uh, having this you know sort of go my way. So anyway, he made the introduction to the broker. Uh, the broker sent me the offering mem memorandum. I ran the numbers, did some underwriting, and initially was uh, I didn't believe it because everything I had underwritten and this is common in the space, just wasn't even close for what they were asking. Um, and this one, as it turned out at the asking price was actually a, a, a good deal with, with reasonable returns. And so I think I underwrote it three or four times just over and over again, making sure that I wasn't you know messing something up. And so when it looked good to me, I uh, 
again, reached back out to the broker and I said, I would like to make an offer. Um, the offer was based on, you know, kind of what, what he had said that the seller wanted. And uh, so since this is a seller's market, you know, sort of in, in a way locked into, you know, kind of going for what they, what they wanted, because if you don't likely someone else will. And so I had offered what they had asked uh, in, in essence, creating a preemptive letter of uh, intent. And so the idea was that I was actually making this offer before it went to market. Uh, as it turned out, the seller decided they wanted to go to market anyway to see, um, I think, if they could do better. And so um, my offer was submitted. Uh, they went through the marketing process, not for a very long time, maybe two weeks, I believe. And this all started, this actual initial letter of intent was submitted back in May of 2021. So um, quite some time ago, uh, as I mentioned, they sort of went to market, took a couple of weeks. Uh, at the end of the day, they went ahead and um, allowed me to be to go into the best and final round with my offer, and uh, which involved, you know, upping the upping the price just a little bit, and also um, having a, a buyer's interview with with them. So, which they asked me a number of questions, and uh, apparently, uh, my answers and my offer were satisfactory because they ultimately did accept the offer. However, there was a, um, a stipulation. So the stipulation to accepting my offer was that the seller has, I, I believe, they had recently um, kind of created their own lending arm. They're a pretty large company. They had created their own lending arm and they wanted me to use their lending arm. They wanted me to use their lender as, as part of the deal. And so I didn't inherently have a problem with that. However, in order to protect myself, um, I had a clause built into the purchase and sale agreement that said, if their lender was unable to deliver satisfactory terms, that I would be able to go ahead and, and you know seek other financing and have an extension to do that. So, uh, I think you know, especially in in this sellers type market, there are going to be concessions to be made. And I think that uh, it was it was a reasonable concession. As I move through the story, you'll see how that uh, kind of turned out to be a problem. But I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do a deal. I wanted to do this deal, and it was uh, part of what they wanted for me to get the contract signed. So I went ahead and agreed to that with that stipulation that I would have, you know, sort of an out clause plus extension to go ahead and find uh, find my own financing. So. Um, once that letter of intent was uh, accepted, there was part of their uh, requested um, components to the deal was that they wanted uh, earnest money to go hard essentially right away. And so what we did, we built in a pre-access agreement, uh, which is something that I had been previously unfamiliar with, but basically gave me seven days to go uh, and tour the property and do as much due diligence as possible before the purchase and sale was signed and the earnest money went hard. So I uh, went ahead and, and signed that access agreement, flew out to Georgia um, virtually immediately to tour the property and did the walkthrough. So we did a lot of the physical due diligence before technically the purchase and sale agreement was signed. Um, so went through that process, got the purchase and sale agreement signed after that pre-access period um, and then sort of went 
went to work with the next steps. Um, that pre-access period happened in July uh, and the purchase and sale was actually signed on July 30th, which again in included that um, seller's lending group financing stipulation. So at that point, uh, we had honestly, most of the physical due diligence uh, had been done. We had done all the walkthroughs. Our uh, property management team had been on site and started with um, a lot of the bids for the CapEx work that needed to be done and everything like that. So we were, we were well on our way. And really the next steps were kind of completing that, the lease audits, uh, but really securing the financing. So that, you know, that process went to work. Um, we were working closely with that lender's uh, mortgage or, or uh, the, the lending broker. Um, and he would keep us updated. There was a group of us uh, partnering together for this deal. And so, you know, sort of getting everybody's information in and everything like that and going through the process to which he then shopped the deal around to uh, a number of different lenders and um, was to come back to us with, uh, with some uh, different bids or different quotes for term sheets on the lending, at which point we could choose one and, and kind of go forward from there. At the same time, we are you know, sort of creating our pitch deck, um, starting our uh, to, to get this deal out to investors and starting all of the legal processes and paperwork to get the private placement memorandum written up and get everything in place to actually close the deal. So on our side of things in terms of the um, you know, legal process and the, and the uh, capital raising and things like that, things were, went extremely well. Uh, we were able to raise the capital for the deal really quite quickly. Um, and from our end, we were getting ready to close. Uh, initially, that was supposed to be at uh, the very beginning of November. And so we had sort of gone through that process. The term sheets that we were presented by the lender, um, only one of them really had desirable terms that were we felt were feasible to make the deal work. Um, and as it turned out, it was uh, an agency loan. And so we were presented with, with actually quite favorable agency terms. Um, anyone who's familiar with agency debt, we're talking about getting essentially a loan from the government. And the that loan, that process, um, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, the government's not gonna give, you know, give this money uh, unless all the boxes are checked and checked again and checked again. So very, very sort of tedious process. However, um, ultimately, oftentimes some of the best interest rates that you can get. So there's, there's some reasons to go through the process. Um, but as we move through that process, it initially seemed like things were going well. We were getting all of our documents together. Um, as it turned out, we got maybe about two weeks before we were supposed to close and we're speaking to the, the lending team and there started to be questions raised, uh, questions on the, on the seller side in terms of um, some of the delinquency and bad debt and how it was being reported and how they were doing their accounting. So basically what happened is as, as Fannie Mae, you know, sort of dug deeper and deeper into the, the seller documents and their rent rolls and delinquency reports and all of that. Uh, as it turned out, they were not really keeping up with the delinquencies. They were not 
um, doing anything about the bad debt. And so as we got closer and closer to closing time, it was kind of this scramble where literally the week leading up to when we were supposed to close every day, I would speak to um, someone on the lending team who would essentially tell us, hey, I think the loan proceeds are going to be a little bit less than when we that we thought. And at first it was 100,000 less, and then it was 200,000 less, and then it was 500,000 less. And so, as you can imagine, as those loan proceeds were dropping, that also drops the returns for our investors and it increases the amount of capital that we would need to raise. And so there was a point at which we were, uh, we figured we could still make it work because we had underwritten very conservatively. If we needed to raise a little bit more capital, that wasn't gonna be the end of the world. It was still, uh, you know, maybe eating into some of our CapEx contingency budget, but we still felt like we could do it, make the deal work and it would be a good deal. However, again, like I said, it got, it got closer and closer and closer to um, closing date. And ultimately, uh, at that point, they were basically telling us we were our loan proceeds were going to be uh, close to a million dollars less than what they had initially told us, not to mention that triggered the small loan balance um, that triggered the amount to be down now a small loan balance, which is something that uh, for agency debt that's less than six million dollars in loan proceeds and so they uh, those loans are actually carry with them usually a higher interest rate and so basically it became in this became this sort of <laughs> chicken and the egg thing where it was like our loan proceeds were dropping therefore our interest rate was going to go up therefore our loan proceeds were going to drop accordingly due to the interest rate raising the payments and so Essentially, it just got to the point where it was very clear that uh, Fannie Mae didn't want to do this loan. They just didn't didn't believe in it, didn't want to do it. And the fact is that in reality, right from the beginning, we thought that this should be a bridge debt transaction. However, like I said, we had been locked into using the seller's lending team and the best term sheet that they could get us was this this Fannie Mae loan. And so th there's a lot of reasons behind it, but ultimately I think it had to do with, you know, people, uh, people knowing that, knowing each other and trying to make each other, you know, sort of look good and over promising and, and under delivering. Um, but at the end of the day, none of that really mattered. What mattered is that it, we reached a point where we, we couldn't do the deal anymore because uh, we weren't going to get good returns for our investors, which is always priority number one. And so we had to pivot. We had to decide where we were going to go from there. And the um, the sellers, uh, uh, I think difficult would be maybe an understatement, but the sellers came, we, we said, you know, we still want to do this deal. Obviously, we're going to need an extension. We're going to need to find a new loan. Um, you know, are you willing to, to do that? And so otherwise it was going to be a matter of sort of terminating the deal. We didn't want to terminate the deal. We just wanted to go ahead and find, find bridge loan. And, and we weren't obviously, we were going to move away from their lending team. And so uh, to that, they responded that they would like to raise the price, the purchase price of the uh, asset, which um, I won't go into what I think about that because it's not very friendly, but the, 
the reality is that it's a seller's market and we were a little bit stuck. And so we negotiated that. We ended up uh, getting it down to paying paying 100,000 more for the property than was initially agreed to. So um, that's, uh, again, it was, it was, it's all about the, the returns. It's all about what we can do for the investors. And at that point, it was, we still felt it was a very good deal. And in reality, the bridge debt loan that we were able to obtain made the returns actually better than they were going to do, going to be with the previous uh, loan proceeds. So it was, in effect, um, reasonable. Uh, we felt on our end to pay a little bit more, despite the fact that ethically, I think that was was uh, really the wrong thing for them to do. So, regardless, uh, we were able to come to an agreement. We got an extension. Um, we went ahead and um, secured bridge debt uh, through another lending company. Uh, they were fantastic to work with, and I look forward to working with them in uh, current and future deals. So, uh, thanks to the to the new loan uh, or to the new lending group, uh, we were able to secure that um, bridge debt. Uh, as I had mentioned, everything else on our end had gone extremely well. We are, we already had the capital sitting there waiting to close. Um, as it turned out, with the bridge. Uh, bridge debt product, we actually needed less capital. So it was, it really all in all worked out from a numbers standpoint. Um, though again, it, it's, it's not, uh, not how I would do business. So the, um, ultimately when we created this extension and amendment to the contract, we signed that on November 7th and, uh, for a outside close date of December 15th, uh, we actually ended up closing that deal on Monday, December 13th. Um, all in all, uh, it, it worked out, right? So there's a, there's a lot of lessons here, I think, to be learned. And um, one of them is that, you know, these things take a long time. And so I, I, started this, I started this journey over a year ago, but we started this particular deal um, in, back in May. So May of 2021, uh, it's now December of 2021. So we're talking about uh, a good seven months, right, to get to get this to the finish line. And so a lot of roadblocks come along the way, uh, and and with each one, we have to you know come up with a solution and kind of work through it. So if you're determined and you're and you're willing to kind of push past some of the some of the garbage that comes up it's 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 a it's well worth it it's well worth the journey and and you know what i'm especially excited about at this point for this deal is now now we get to go in there and actually turn around a very uh, mismanaged property where the tenants have been treated poorly poorly and so that's what i'm excited about right i'm excited about the um the ability to do that to make this uh, a really a, a desirable place to live um, and while simultaneously providing great returns for our investors i'm very excited because uh, some of the investors that i have brought in are veterinarians and as i've mentioned uh, on other you know another podcasts and in other uh, in my social media uh, a big part of my why in this process is to help veterinarians find a way to generate passive income so that they can actually sort of free themselves from the extreme 
stress uh, of uh, the veterinary profession, at least from a financial standpoint, which I think will help a lot of people. So I'm very excited about that. I wanted to touch on a couple of, you know, sort of takeaway lessons that that I felt were very important things I learned. I learned a million things. I, I don't think I can necessarily go through them all, but uh, a few I, I wanted to talk, touch on sort of three that I felt that were were really kind of key in in this lesson. One uh, first one is is financing. Um, I think financing is the single biggest component when it comes to you know sort of maximizing returns on these deals. So uh, the financing terms, how you structure it. Um, you know, kind of, th there's all different components that go into that, but really understanding that and and kind of digging in deep and having um, a good a good lender to go to, and and it's it's out there. Like this is not new information. I'm not I'm not saying something that people don't know, but it's it's was really kind of hit home for me. It was uh, in terms of how truly how important that is, and and you know, kind of what an impact it can have on you. Because as I mentioned. You know, although it was a pain and a difficult process to go to, it actually worked out better in terms of what our uh, investors are going to get for returns switching to this bridge debt product. And so um, I think it's it's very, very key to understand the ins and outs of financing. And it's, it's also another reason why so many of us in the um, real estate investing space uh, are so keen on you know, why this is such a good time is because interest rates are incredibly low. So you can uh, really, really use that to your advantage in terms of, of you know, sort of maximal impact of your returns. So uh, take home number one, lending lending is extremely key in, in the process. Um, I guess take home number two, I would say, is that it is a seller's market. And I guess that can't be stated enough because as I mentioned, you know, some of the hoops that we we went through um, these sellers were difficult. I wouldn't do another transaction with them. Uh, that that's just it. It was it was worth it to get one. It was worth worth it to get this deal, but I wouldn't do it again because I prefer to do business with people that I that I enjoy working with. And so, for me, um, that will that will be a strong component uh, moving forward in deals that I do in the future and, and people that I work with, uh, both on my team and externally to my team. I think the, the, the whole reason for this is, you know, for it to be something I enjoy, something that can uh, make the lives of, of my family and my investors better. And so if it's a constant grind, because we're dealing with people that are, are difficult, that I won't, it won't be, uh, it won't be something that I enjoy. And so it, it, again, not to harp on this particular seller anymore, but the, but the point is it's a seller's market. And so there were things that we did concessions that we made because they're sort of in the driver's seat. So, you know, someday it won't be a seller's market and things would be different. And you might agree to things that are, or you might not agree to things that you would agree to now, but it's important to know that it's important to know the market that you're in, the the climate of the um, of these transactions, and and your brokers will guide you in that. But but ultimately, you just have to kind of know how how things are working. And so, whether you like it or not, there are probably going to be some concessions to be made if if you're buying in this market. And so, and if you're a seller, 
you know, maybe think about that it won't always be this way and you can be, uh, you know, be someone who's, who's good to deal with. And then the final thing uh, I would say as far as take home is I, I would just want to thank, thank the partners that I worked on this deal with. Um, I think we've all, you know, contributed in uh, major ways. And I think uh, we navigated through this without, you know, this was our deal as a group together, our first deal as a group together, not the first deal for everyone, but first deal as a group together. And I think uh, it was, it was really, they say that you're, you're, this is a team sport, you know, all of the, all of the cliches that, that real estate is a team sport, especially, you know, syndication that, that, you know, your network is your net worth, all of these things, but certainly I couldn't have done this myself. Um, and I'm grateful for the, the partners that I worked with and thankful for them. I look forward to working with them more. Um, but I think it is key to find people that you can work with and that your uh, strengths and weaknesses complement each other. And so having, you know, people that can, can fill in the gaps where maybe you're lacking and vice versa, uh, I think is incredibly key uh, well, <laughs> to life in general, but also, uh, but also, you know, certainly to these real estate transactions. So I think that's probably really a good uh, short wrap up. Um, please, please reach out to me if you have any questions uh, you, you want, you know, more details on how certain components went. I'm very happy to go into it. Uh, I think it's extremely interesting, and especially for those of you who are trying to get into the space and understand how it works. Um, I learned a tremendous amount during this. I, I certainly know that there's more to learn, but but little things that you know kind of aren't out there in the books and aren't out there, um, you know, on the podcasts. They're things that you might just learn. Uh, you're only going to learn by doing so. Um, I'll wrap it up there. Uh, I hope everyone has a good day and uh, please, I, I look forward to uh, sharing more deals with you in the future. Okay. Take care, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.